Welcome to the People First Leaders Podcast. My name is Doug Utberg, Marine Corps veteran, founder CEO of ExpenseReviews.com, and I have absolutely nothing to sell you. The purpose of this commercial-free show is to honor the leaders who approach life as go-givers by putting their people and customer value first. Stick around until the end of the show, and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in about 20 minutes. Let's go. We have Brandon Newman with us today. And what we are going to be talking about is empowering people to achieve greatness. So, of course, you know, we're trying to make sure to set expectations here. So, you know, a lot of people say when you set expectations, you try to do it low, but we're going the other way. We would go a little over the moon. You know, let's see if we can't go uh, 1.25 on that. So, Brandon, please introduce yourself a little bit. Thank you very much, Doug. It's a sincere pleasure to be here with you. I have not yet been interviewed by someone with Baby Yoda on their shirt. So <laughs> first and foremost there, I'm always excited to be able to uh, jump in and, and talk to, to leaders, other leaders, and uh, other individuals. So thank you for that and all that you do. In terms of uh, a little bit about myself, I am uh, what I didn't want to do was set up myself as a serial entrepreneur, but that's what about a long time ago, Back when uh, Michael Jordan was still roaming the uh, the basketball courts, he said something as you know when I was 14 that stuck with me and it sort of changed my whole outlook on life, which was I fell and fell and fell and fell, and that's why I succeed. So ultimately, I said, "Hey, let I, I was failing a lot. How do I leverage that to success?" And ultimately, that's what I did. It turned into about 10 ventures over the last 23 years. It's been a, a wild, wild ride. I can't say every single one of those was amazing. I was say, and all of those were completely successful from day one, right? Well, I mean, every bill paid the, exactly on time. Right? Yeah. Well, I bet success is, is all relative. They've been mostly iterative. So, you know, it's not like I'm going from telecom to manufacturing to healthcare. They've all been in healthcare. How do we lower the cost of medication? And what I found in that process, just to give you my background, is I absolutely love more than anything this journey, riding, you know, shotgun with other people, doing amazing things. So who am I? I'm just another normal guy trying to solve a problem, setting a vision, and then finding the very best, and even not the very best, people that haven't found who they are to empower them into greatness. And that's really where I found maybe uncovered that gem is, it's not in what I can do and when I can wrestle the ground, but what I empower others to wrestle the ground that really turns into greatness. I like that. I like that. Well, and, you know, because I think there's a tendency to think great people are somehow different. And generally speaking, I guarantee you that every great person who you've seen on the cover of a magazine is still extremely human. And, you know, so in a way that should be very motivating because it means that that is within everybody's grasp. It's just a matter of grasping. I mean, again, I don't mean to harp on the whole MJ philosophy, but if he thought he was failing, but yet the greatest basketball star, I'm going to offend about half the, the audience listeners, at least those in LA or Cleveland, wherever they're at. But I mean, this great, great basketball, and I'd even say that of Tiger Woods and many people we look at as this abnormal, you know, gifted human being, which they all are to a degree. But they felt like they were failing and that's how they fell forward. So, you know, ultimately, I totally agree with that, that we are just a bunch of normal people who may have uh, maybe a different sort of approach to life. And that's really what, you know, creates the ingredients to success, I guess. Precisely. I mean, because like the thing, I forget who said this, I wish I could give attribution correctly. But one thing I've heard about, they talk about entrepreneurs, you could say businesses, owners, whatever, is that they 
figure out how to solve a problem that's not theirs for the benefit of other people. I like that construct. Of course, right, you know, it can degrade, unfortunately, just due to market dynamics, you know, oligopoly, blah, 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 blah. But I think the idea of leadership as solving a problem that makes people's lives better, I think that's a really productive construct. And I like the idea of orienting business just around that framework. Well, I mean, if you're not solving a problem, and, and we could talk about the basis of starting a business, but if you're not solving a problem, what value do you deliver? So it's just, I think you're 100% right that you can't create a vision based upon something that's already been solved. If I'm comfortable where I'm at, in my case, I can afford my medication, my kids can afford medication, my neighbors can afford, and they're not being forced to go to Canada, or they're not being forced to skip medication then, okay, why am I even, you know, passionate about something? But in reality, you know, you look at something and say, hey, I think I might be able to help that problem. And then, uh, you know, create a vision that says, you know, you got to create something that people can really rally behind. And yeah, I think maybe never more so than this last venture did I realize the value of the vision that really breaks down that the perception that I'm just doing a me too. Why am I there? Am I valuable at this organization? All of those things combined, and I think that's what drives people. Everybody wants to jump into a vision, something that means something to them that is solving a problem, and how better is it if it helps solve something that they participate in? Everybody takes medication at some point in their lives, so it's true. Precisely, precisely. And I really like the idea of empowering people to achieve their own greatness, because especially if they're a part of your company and you help them become great, a good amount of that greatness is going to benefit you directly. And then over time, it'll benefit you indirectly. I think that's a philosophy that I think some people, some more people are starting to catch up on. But I think the old way of thinking was that you wanted to try to kind of keep people retained as long as they could sort of inside the bubble and try to prevent them from leaving. And it's like, well, but that prevents them from growing. Why don't you help them grow to be as good as they possibly can? And you know, if they end up leaving for something else, that's okay because you'll be able to recruit A players a lot easier when they know that they're going to have a chance to grow versus there's a chance they might get stuck. Wow. You know, we're really going deep fast here, Doug. And so uh, I appreciate it. It's how we operate here. But just as an example, I remember hiring my executive administrator, let's call it two, almost three years ago. And that is one of the most important hires you could possibly make. But what was interesting is it, it, it was something much different. Anyway, the first month goes by, checklist, checklist, checklist. Let's make Brandon Newman the happiest and most successful CEO on the planet. And he came back a month later and the words were said, I'm checking all the lists. I'm trying to create everything that you could possibly think of. And I've done it all. What else should I do? And I said, time out. I think you're looking at this differently. I think you need to look at this as, who can you be, not what can you do? And I think that business school, we try to, to manage performance on what you do and how well you do it. But if this executive admin can be the very best person that she is, I just want her essence to be present, to be like a two-headed monster with a CEO. Mm -hmm. And what happened is she realized she was worth so much more than that. And literally overnight, she went from executive admin to a uh, chief of staff. Because she realized, I'm much more valuable that. And I think that that sort of turned into much more, right? It sort of evolved into, well, are we really becoming the type of people that we need? Are we really great? Or are we just trying to, to you know, here's the list of performance items. And you did those things, move on. 
that's not greatness that you just did what you know you were supposed to do and maybe you should be doing something else right if you really really buy into it and that's just not what's taught truly in business school and that's kind of the for me the the last story i'd say on that is first nine ventures i thought wrestle it to the ground here's your performance metrics i'm going to manage those kpis watch you if you don't turn to red let's work with you to make you either inspire you up, uh, manage you up or manage you out. That was business 101. And then came this, wow, ethereal sort of moment in my life where a doctor said, hey, Brandon, I don't know if you got five more years in your life. That happened seven years ago. And it was at that moment I said, I don't think I will be able to achieve what I want to achieve if I'm wrestling this to the ground. And I had this moment of, well, maybe I need to become something that I'm not and really enable and empower others to become something that they want to be, not just sort of be managed to the ground. And that moment gave me that license to let go of this fear of failure and truly embrace this idea of we're just becoming the best people and being great. I think that actually might generate greatness. And shockingly, last year we did 800% growth. That's beautiful. Insane. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, and man, there's there's so much you said there. I'm just going to start unpack a little bit at a time. But one of the things that I was thinking about that just kind of a little bit of a tangential thought that occurred to me while you were talking about, you know, solving hard problems. And the thing is that no problem ever seems hard in hindsight. Everything that when you look at now and say, oh, that's simple. At some point that seemed unsolved. And so I think that's one of the things is that a lot of times we cannot give ourselves enough credit for addressing hard problems after they've been addressed because it seems more simple in hindsight. That's neither here nor there, but that's just one of the things I was thinking about while you were talking. But don't you believe that entrepreneur is synonymous with innovation? You have to look at a problem and it's my belief. And I think that this is the gift of the entrepreneur that says no problem is too great, too costly, too difficult you give it enough time, resources, money to deal with. And you're right. Once you sort of unlock the combination that's required to access the solution, you're like, it was right there at the my tip of my tongue or right. All it took was that person or this process. And it's just like, well, that's how innovation works. And that's how we solve the problems of today and deliver value and grow our, ourselves and our businesses. Precisely. I mean, and I'm a big fan of Nassim Taleb, you know, his, uh, the inserto, you know, uh, Fooled by randomness and I think anti-fragile and uh, skin of the game are probably my two favorite. But anyway, one of the things that he talks about in there that really resonated with me is the idea that say an individual entrepreneur is almost certain to fail, but collectively the value produced by all these entrepreneurs, many of whom fail, creates a tremendous amount of surplus value for the population at large. And only a small amount of them, you know, get very highly rewarded. Yet all of them have contributed, even though most of it's invisible. And every time I read that, I, I kind of have this moment of existential vision where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I see it. Yeah, there it is. Uh, you know, uh, maybe it's part of an evolution of a business person, an entrepreneur. Eventually, you have to land there. And some of us take nine times to get through there. Sorry, <laughs> I was that guy. And I had some good exits, but nowhere near the kind of success. And it's not just financial and business success. It's watching currently, uh, you know, almost 100 employees become their best version of themselves, which looks like greatness. And nothing is more satisfying than, let's say I cash out. Let's say nothing is less satisfying than cashing out, logging into your bank, because you always wait to log into your bank. You want that moment of reward of, I made all that money and I got that check at the end of the day. 
that is the least rewarding possible thing that you could ever imagine. The most rewarding is the journey. And every exit I've been out of, you log in, you look at the bank account, you look for that pat on the back, it's never there, and you long for the journey. But the, the most rewarding for me is that every one of those individuals go on to say, hey, I'm going to continue that vision of one plus one equals three, right? We come together and only together can we solve for that. And so hopefully that legacy is the only legacy I'll leave. Nothing financial, nothing from business, you know, inspired leadership, only that we inspired and empowered greatness so that they can go on and, and do the same for others. Well, and you know, because I think there's something you hit on that's, I'm sure that this is turning into a tangent episode, which is fine. But there's something you hit on that I want to unpack a little bit because you're talking about, hey, you know, when you get that check in your bank account, and I think that there's this collective mindset that if you have enough money, everything's fine. It's like, well, there's certain problems that money can solve and certain problems that money can't solve. And generally speaking, if you're in the process of generating a tremendous amount of money, you tend to create a lot of problems that money can't solve. And so, or, or unless you're extremely conscious of it, you will create some problems that money can't solve. So then yes, a big check will help with the problems that money can solve. Now you have to turn your head to all these other problems you have in your life that money can't solve. You can't just write a check to make it go away. And I think a lot of people, since they haven't crossed that able to address problems money can solve threshold, they don't think about life that way. But everybody I know who has ever had a significant exit or whatever, the first thing they'll say is, yeah, I thought I made it and wasn't even close. Well, I mean, you got that component and I truly agree that once you exit and then you look at Uncle Sam and everything that got taken out, you go, oh, wow, what did I get left with? That is one aspect of it. what you long for more than anything. And maybe the reason why so many entrepreneurs become serial entrepreneurs isn't for more money. And, and I get that you have to sort of continue to build wealth to, to really satisfy all those needs. They're not looking for the money. They're looking for that experience and a legacy. And they long for getting back out there to be at war with you know your companions, your folks that you lock arms with. That feeling of, uh, as you said, finding, identifying a problem, solving it uniquely, delivering value, that process is one of the most satisfying experiences that we can feel. I think you get out and you exit. I think you long for that, even though you may not know where you're longing for, what you're longing for. That to me was my longing. I had to get right back in and say, I'm not done here. I, I want to keep going and have that journey. Got it. Yeah. Well, and your experience is actually very, it's pretty common. A lot of people I've talked to who have had exits you know, it's only six, eight months and they're back at it, you know, not necessarily because that's what they need to do, but it's just because that's who they are. People who get jazzed by solving problems, they're made to solve problems. Yeah. And then you get left to, out the pasture to do what? You solve, uh, what? did I water the lawn enough? That's not a, a problem that you get passionate about. Maybe you do, but there's too many problems in the world that we have to solve. And I hope that most of us entrepreneurs are all in it for the greater good. And, you know, whether it is telecom, healthcare, whatever, they're good purposes. They're good reasons. Yes, we make money, but we're making life better. I think that really means a lot to me and to anyone that I've talked and coordinated with. Absolutely wonderful and robust conversation that was a little orthogonal hit to the topic of our conversation. So let's steer the car back. We're talking about inspiring people to greatness. That might not have been the exact word, but that's the idea anyway. Walk me through some of, you know, kind of what that means to you and how you go about doing it, how you have gone. Great. First is a, a complete, utter mind shift that you're going to manage greatness 
for, you know, empower greatness, not manage performance and not just the leader or the founder or entrepreneur, but it has to be the leadership has to say, I'm okay shifting away from this idea that we can, and I hate micromanaging. No one really, you know, gets excited about micromanaging, but managing KPPs to managing greatness or becoming. And, and that's a word we say a lot around here. Are we becoming who we want to be? So that's that mind shift first and foremost. Looking at processes and how we manage people, we have to completely dismantle those all of the things that we learned in business school, embrace what still works. Obviously, process matters, product matters, profit matters, but doing it by way of a completely re-architected process. There are systems out there that really help us to get there, and you have to find or implement those systems that says we're going to reward powering people into becoming, not uh, did you do these 25 things. That's not as easy as it, it seems but both of those things, the mind shift towards that and then actually implementing a, a system, those are crucial to actually uh, adopting it. Your values will, will absolutely speak volumes of who you are, but what you do and what you show up, you could say my values are this and I really believe in it. But then the very next day you said, but did you perform this? Did you actually achieve this KPI? It matters, but the first question is, have you been empowered to be a better person tomorrow? Do you invest into real empowerment programs that help people to truly believe that they are great inherently and that they can achieve greatness? That's just a whole, you know, took years to really truly implement it. Yeah. Well, and I would append what you're saying with how do you make decisions when it's hard, when it's either stressful, when you're not hitting earnings, when you're in a contraction, you know, those are the times that test your metal, you know, when it's like, you know, when everybody's well rested and the bills are being paid, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to lead in those times. It's the times when it's tough. That's the proverbial final exam. Well, there, there's always the, the ebb and flow, you know, give it our 300% growth is fantastic, big number, but the year preceding or the, maybe the three months preceding that growth period, we had lost one of the biggest markets that we'd been in and investors were like, what in the hell are you guys, you know, like, do you really want to go about your business a way that's a little bit unorthodox? And so, you know, for me, and I'm wired maybe different than some, but I believe I'm wired a lot like entrepreneurs and your listeners. It's that when I thrive, it's at the absolute worst moments. It says, I'm inspired to greatness when things are terrible, a little bit different when things are shit, right? When, when we're in the mud and we're going, hey, how do I do it? You're at your peak performance because your livelihood depends on it. As you grow and you're hitting these great numbers and everybody's happy, you get laugh. You start slowing down and you say, well, I'm in this great you know, level of performance, so we'll just keep doing more of the same. I don't know how you proverbially stay in the mud, but, you know, maybe you have to find those areas of your business that is in the mud that you're constantly trying to ins you know, inspire out of or empower out of. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the way that I think about that same phenomenon, which is going to sound a little similar, but the way that I unpack that is that I think that what you really want to be doing, if your mood is too heavily influenced by results, then that means you'll get overconfident every time that you're on an expansion path. And you'll get depressed every time that conditions are bad. And neither of those are great, you know, because overconfidence leads to failure. And then if you get over depressed when things are bad, then you get to where you never recover. And so I think that a lot of it really comes down to really just believing in what you're doing, almost irrespective of the outcome. 
you know, it's, is that knowing that you're doing the right thing and that if you keep doing the right thing, that the scoreboard will take care of itself. And I think that's really easy to say in theory, and it's a lot harder to do in practice. Unfortunately, you weren't in the analytics business and so we're uh, tied to the very moment, right? The day we did well, tomorrow we didn't. And if we're just watching that scoreboard of up and down, you've got four quarters in a basketball game. There is, you know, I watch soccer as an avid fan. You're not winning on the this, this score 1-0. You're winning on every individual play. And so if you break that down and, and look at it as individual plays, you're working through those. But at the end of the day, the score ended up being 1-0. You have to sort of take it both into to perspective. Sure. Precisely. Reddit, this has been a lot of fun. Give everybody else your last few thoughts and then um, make sure to let us know where we can find out a little more about you. Absolutely. First, again, thank you very much for having me. I don't think that I've figured out life all the that I am, you know, uh, an avid listener of, you know, how people have figured it out. So for me, I would say be a constant learner and realize you haven't arrived. And, you know, humility goes so, so far in today's day and age. We need more and more humble, hardworking, you know, the, the standard things that I grew up in, whether it was low or middle class, I didn't grow up the wealthiest kid on the block. We had to fight for what we wanted. But, you know, I think that you have to accept humility, but then accept confidence as you grow. So for me, at the end of the day, and maybe I'm at that proverbial shifting point in my career, in my life, I'm 50. I'm having this sort of, I landed at the, the 50 mark and it does feel like I'm gliding down the mountain a little bit. I'm more so looking at life as maybe the bumps and bruises aren't so bad anymore. And, and to, to maybe look at life with a little less stress and a little less frustration when things aren't perfect and things don't go according to plan, that's okay. I failed, and maybe that's my quote, I failed and that's okay, right? Yes. It was in the moment, it was a pass I missed, great, but I am gonna score that goal or I'm gonna help the team work towards it. So if I leave any words of wisdom, trust yourself, continue to fail forward, but let's embrace this idea that you alone can't wrestle success to the ground. You have to find people that will believe in you that are solving, like you said, problems, inspiring towards greatness. And that's how we as people become great. Outstanding. All right. Well, let's see. So Brandon, uh, Gary website or, and or your favorite socials. Okay. So uh, for me, you can find us at a couple of places. I routinely participate and I'm a participant or a writer on blogs and webinars from Zavant. Yes, that's a crazy word, xevant.com or in LinkedIn. I engage all of the craziness that I, I play in, in, in on Instagram. No, I haven't really played into the other social report, but if you want to know what I'm doing on the weekend, that's where you go. I do contribute regularly to many conversations in healthcare and in business, and I'd love to engage with anybody online. So yeah, wonderful. Beautiful. Brandon, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Great things you're doing here. Appreciate yeah, thank it. you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the People First Leaders podcast. If you are a successful People First founder or CEO who would like to be on this show, please visit peoplefirstleaders.net forward slash guest. If this interview resonated, would you please share it on social media? Just take a quick screenshot on your phone and post it on your favorite social channel. Then make sure to tag me at Doug Value so I can give you and your business a shout out on a future episode. If you know somebody who'd be a great guest, 
please tag them on social and include the hashtag PeopleFirstLeaders. I really love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're releasing new content and episodes all the time, so make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me personally. And also, I would like to connect with you on social. My handle is at DougValue, or you can just go to peoplefirstleaders.net where all of the links are posted. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.